You are Locked On Jets, your daily podcast on the New York Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Friday, February 9th, 2018, and you are listening to the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm John B. from GangreenNation.com. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe to it on iTunes or Spotify. And if you do so, the show will be automatically delivered to your device each day. You can listen to the podcast on demand. And if you really enjoy the show, please consider giving it a good review in iTunes. Helps us out, and we appreciate it. On today's show, I'd like to turn our attention to the offseason. Of course, Jets Jets offseason began well over a month ago as they missed the playoffs. But the NFL offseason just began a few days ago as the Philadelphia Eagles defeated the New England Patriots in Super Bowl 52. And the Eagles had their parade yesterday, so now we're really focused on the offseason. Now we have a couple weeks to go before there's going to be any big movement. Uh, Free agency doesn't start until the league year begins. The new league year begins in March. Now, usually, you know, a day or two before the league year begins, teams are allowed to quote-unquote legally tamper. They're allowed to start start talking to players, um, but that's where the focus is now. The focus is on the off season. The focus is also, you know, in, in addition to free agency, the draft is always on people's minds as we approach the scouting combine, which will be taking place not too long from now. But on today's show, I'm going to talk a little bit, a little bit about free agency, and I'm going to touch on three different aspects of free agency. Um, a couple things that have been in the news, and a couple thoughts that go to go along with it. And first thing I want to talk about is the big news of the NFL from yesterday, which is the contract received by Jimmy Garoppolo of the uh, San Francisco 49ers. The Niners paid Garoppolo quite a bit of money. It was a record-setting deal um, in some aspects. It was five years and $137 million. $27.5 million average per year. $74 million, $74 million guarantee. So lots of, lots of money going to Jimmy Garoppolo, a guy who really does not have much of a track record, track record in this league, but a guy whose uh, track record is superb. Uh, seven starts, seven wins. And he's completed over two-thirds of his passes, 12 touchdowns against five interceptions, 8.3 yards per attempt. So, you know, not much of a track record, you know. I mean, if you're looking for a sure thing, a guy who, uh, a guarantee that this guy is going to be great, I mean, I don't know that you have it based on his body of work. We're only talking 270, we're not even talking 300 passes in this league, but guy who you can't get off to a better start than this guy's off to. All, all the guy has done is win so far in his career, and he was a free agent to be. Of course, the 49ers traded for him during the season. The Niners were pretty much finished at that point, but they saw an opportunity to land Garoppolo, and Garoppolo was great. There was, there was really no, op- no chance he was going to get away, I think, that so it doesn't really impact the Jets in the sense that Garoppolo was ever going to be a viable option, and that even goes back to his New England days. I mean, not, it's not like Bill Belichick was going to give the Jets a franchise. People talked about trading for Garoppolo. 
there was no chance the, the Patriots were going to just hand the Jets a franchise quarterback. Belichick hates the Jets. He's not going to want to have to deal with Garoppolo within his division for the next 10 years. So if, he, if uh, Garoppolo was going to be traded, it certainly was going to be outside the AFC East, probably outside the AFC. Now he's got this record deal. And if you want to know why, why would they give a guy with only seven starts a record deal, well, first of all, he's looked great so far. And second of all, you know, they have done their home. I mean, there's a reason they gave up a second round pick for him. They think he, they've evaluated him and they think that he's going to be a franchise quarterback. They they think that his early work is sustainable. They think he's going to do a good job for them. Now, the other reason is I don't think they wanted to end up like Washington is with Kirk Cousins, where, you know, they could have franchised him, but the issue with that is you get no long-term security. You get no long-term guarantees the guy's going to be on your team. If he has success, and you look at, has Washington really saved any money by franchising Kirk Cousins last? I mean, Washington has paid a tremendous amount of money. They they may have, Washington may have paid as much as they would have, or at least they they paid close to what they would have if they had just locked Cousins up long term, and now they're going to lose him. So I think San Francisco wanted to avoid a situation like that. Now, how does how does this impact the Jets? Well, it kind of sets the quarterback market for the off season, and I expect the Jets, I think the Jets are going to be big on, all in on Cousins. I think that they're going to make a run, and I'm not stating that based on any in, in the information I have. That's just my view, is that I think the Jets, I think things just match up here when you're talking about, you know, the running a system he's comfortable with, when you're talking about the fact that Jets have a lot of money, Cousins is looking for, for the big deal, and... I think the the Jets will, you know, I almost get the feeling reading some of the reports about Cousins, his views with Washington, that he, as much as anything, I think what what contributed to his departure from Washington is he never felt like he was want, you know, he he never felt like he was treated like the franchase guy because he, you know, and I'm, again, I'm basing, I'm just basing this off of things I'm piecing together on reports, but he when he came in to the league, he was with Robert Griffin III, and uh, RG3 was a guy the Redskins traded up for, yeah, they brought in, and uh, they treat, they really pampered RG3, you know, he had a great relationship with the owner, he had personal access to the owner, I mean, he was treated like the guy, and I'm not sure Cousins ever got that treatment, so I think, I think you know, even as Cousins ascended, he never was treated the way... He saw the way they treated RG3. He was never treated like that. You get the feeling that kind of bothered him a little bit. And in some ways, it played out financially. You know, they didn't give him the kind of money that they would have given RG3 had RG3 been a more successful pick. And so I think I think as much as anything, Cousins wants, wants, it, wants to feel wanted. That's kind of the vibe I get from Cousins. And... Uh, one of the ways you make a guy feel wanted is to throw throw a lot of money at him, and I think that's probably what's going to happen with the Jets. And I think maybe we've seen the market set a little bit. Maybe this is, and I'm not sure. See, I think this actually is a low water mark for a couple reasons with Cousins. Uh, the first reason is that Garoppolo, the the Niners did have some leverage in this in these negotiations. Because they could have franchised Garoppolo, and that's look, that's not a bad result for Garoppolo. I mean, Cousins made a lot of money playing off the franchise tag for two years, but you know, if you're Garoppolo and you're you're looking at this, and you have a chance to get 74 million guaranteed, well, the franchise tag's not franchise tag's probably going to be around one third of that guaranteed. So, looking at that, if I'm Garoppolo, I'm saying, you know what, I'll, I'll take my money now, and it's still a good deal. It's still you know, again, a record-setting deal. It's a you know, very high. Uh, 
high annual compensation um, and a lot of guaranteed money. So it's a good deal, but the Niners at least could could go to him and say, well, you know, if you don't sign long term, we're going to franchise you, and you won't have, you know, you, this is your only chance to get a long term deal with that kind of money this year. So a little bit of leverage there. And the second thing is that again, Garoppolo only has seven NFL starts, so maybe he would have been in been in line for even more money. I know it's a record setting deal, but it's quite possible he would have been in line for even more money had he more of a track record. And you know, Cousins has three years of quality play under his belt. Now, if you're asking me, and I, I know a lot of people disagree with me, I'd probably pay more for Garoppolo because I see a lot more upside there. That quick release, that the way he processes things, I think I, I think he has more upside. I think he has a higher ceiling. If you're asking me which which of the two I would start my franchise with, if I'm starting a franchise, I'd go with Garoppolo. But it's neither here nor there. I think I think so. I think that what you saw is lower than the deal Cousins. I think Cousins are going to get more money than Garoppolo. So you saw that if the Jets are going to sign Cousins, you're probably talking more than $27.5 million a year. You're probably talking more than $74 million guaranteed. You're probably talking more than the five-year 137 total for that deal. So I think that's, that's one piece of big news uh, in terms of free agency that we saw yesterday. Now, the second thing I wanted to talk about is in some ways kind of a frivolous story, uh, and it's been kind of a frivolous story through the offseason, but it has been worth watching, and that's Le'Veon Bell, who apparently said that he would only sign with the Jets for $100 million, and he said um, a few weeks back, he tweeted out something that, you know, some fan asked him if he was coming to the Jets for $50 million, and he said... He said it'd take a lot more than that. And, you know, this $100 million story is, in some ways, I mean, it's not it's not hard reporting, but I think it does kind of tell the story. I think there there's a lesson to be learned in all of this. And that's the difficulty in... It's, it's, what, it's what makes signing free agents so tricky. And what you could take from, from this is that... It, would Bell only sign with the Jets for a hundred million? You know, if the Jets offered ninety-nine million, would Bell sign for it with them? Yeah, I think he probably would if it was the best offer. I mean, heck, if the Jets offer fifty million and it's the best offer, would he sign with them? I think there's a real chance. You know, you don't know what motivates these guys in free agency. Sometimes, a lot of cases, it's just money. Um, and if you know, maybe the Jets give him the best offer. Maybe it is fifty million. So you know, you can't go crazy over these over these reports, but. They do kind of tell the story about why free. It's so difficult to build a team in just through free agency, and Jets fans have learned that the Jets have learned that the hard way at many points over the last few years. But this is a great example, and you know whether or not Bell is going to sign for over a hundred million. This has been a difficult negotiation for the Steelers, and it just goes to show you that the NFL is structured in a way that. It, it prevents players from getting into from hitting free agency, and there are a couple things that play into that. First of all is, and I will never understand how the players' union allowed this in their negotiations and the collective bargaining agreement. But the franchise tag is a game changer. You know, each year a team can tag can tag one player and prevent them from hitting free agency, and that again provides an incentive for a team for a player to work out a long term deal with the team. And it's a it's a terrible mechanism. You know, 
for for the players, it's a terrible mechanism because it prevents you from hitting the open market. I have I will never figure out how the players allow this to be part of the collective bargaining agreement. Terrible job by the players in their negotiations. And the other thing is just you know the nature of football is that the game is so violent that you know you could be out your career could be over tomorrow if you if you get hit the wrong way. So you have every incentive to try and get you know if the team comes to you with long term security of a long term contract. If you get one, most players never get the chance for one long-term contract that sets them up financially for life. So, team does that. Maybe you'll leave a little money on the table just for that security because you wait. You push this thing all the way to free agency. Sometimes it doesn't work out. So, what I'm getting at here is that the players who hit free agency are the guys who whose team just like who have rejected offers from their team that their team thought was a valid offer. These are the guys who really want to get paid because these guys have ignored every incentive to sign up and their team has decided that the, the player is not valuable enough to franchise or, you know, in the case of Kirk Cousins, they franchise him twice. They can't franchise him a third time because of, for financial reasons. So a guy who hits free agency is a guy who really, really, really wants to get paid. And that's the reason, you know, you look at this cap space the Jets are sitting on, and I've been saying this for months, it doesn't go as far as you think it will. Because if a guy's hitting, if a guy's hitting free agency, odds are he's, he's already turned down a pretty, a pretty big money deal. And that means that player wants to really, really get paid. So that you know that's the that's the tricky part. It's not necessarily what you take from that is not necessarily that Bell will only pay play for a hundred million dollars for the Jets. It's just it just shows you that the player who hits the open market wants the mega deal. You know, if the player if that player did not want the mega deal, in most cases, you know, maybe that there are other cases here or there. Maybe an older player whose team doesn't want him anymore. But a lot of these big name players, the reason the biggest reason they're on the market is that. Their team made them an offer that the team thought was fair, and the player didn't. And the player just wants to get paid a lot of money. So that means that that your cap space doesn't go as far as you think it will, because to get that player, you have to eat up a lot of that cap space. So that's that's what I'd take away from those bell comments. And I'd just like to close by answering a question we did not get a chance to answer on yesterday's mailbag show. Um, you know, I was going back through the mailbag questions after we recorded yesterday's show, and I realized that there was one I wanted to answer. And again, it's, this show is free agency focused, so it hits. It fo- this is a good uh, question for the show. It was about which free agents I would target if I were the Jets, and the one of the free agents the person suggested was Demarcus Lawrence from Dallas. And I, uh, again, I don't. I'm not sure Lawrence is necessarily going to hit free agency. There's every incentive for the Cowboys to franchise him if they don't, but that would be the guy I'd, I'd focus on if I were the Jets. See, there are, it's very rare that a difference maker, a legitimate difference maker in their prime hits free agency. And in Lawrence, you have a 25-year-old who is, you know, this year was one of the best pass rushers in the league, one of the most talented young players in the league. And he plays a premium position. You know, he's an edge rusher. And those guys usually don't hit free agency. And Again, I'm skeptical Lawrence will. I think Dallas probably fran- Dallas has to figure out a way to keep him around, you know, even if it's the franchise tag. And so again, this is a guy. This is the type of guy who doesn't hit free agency because, you know, as I was talking about with Bell, the guys who hit free agency wanted mega deals didn't get them. Guys who the true stars in this league tend to get are the guys who get the mega deals. So they're they're the guys who never hit free agency. But in the event. Um, Lawrence does hit free agency. I think that that's the one guy. And I, I don't think this is a strong free agent class. I'll tell you, I look at the list of free agents and I don't see many guys that really interest me a whole lot. But Lawrence would be would be an exception. 25-year-old who plays a premium position. I mean, that's a guy I think you 
you do whatever it takes to get. And I say that, I say that figuratively. I'm not suggesting that you know you give him you you give him a contract that's fifty million dollars a year. I mean, at some point you draw the line, but the line for Lawrence would be quite a bit higher than it would be for most other players. This is the type of player I'd look to target in free agency if he hits, but I don't expect him to. So just wanted to answer that. It was a good question. I just wanted to address that one before we closed out for the week. Thank you for tuning in today. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, and it is part of the Locked On Podcast Network. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe to it. Your options include iTunes and Spotify, and please leave the show a good review in iTunes if you enjoy it. Hope you have a great weekend. We'll chat again on Monday.